0: Hello everybody. I'm your host Luke, and um this is a continuation into um the i wanna say yeah i'll I'll say debunking of uh the obscure belief that there are a there was a hidden race of dwarves and giants buried in Native American burial mounds around the United States that has been covered up. So, um, I would like to point your attention to a very um, um, well-documented, where they unearthed a Native American burial mound in 1780, and you may have even heard of this person. It was one mister Thomas Jefferson. And this comes to us from Monticello.org. So this happened in 1780. So if you um what? So I I've covered this in multiple ones and most of these quote unquote news articles of the time come to us from uh 1890s like 1895 1897 um you know in that same year of 1896 1897 was the great airship scare that was kind of like a precursor to uh ufo sightings so um in 1780 the secretary of the french legation in philadelphia Francois Marbois uh, submitted to various members of the Continental Congress a list of questions concerning the 13 American states. Joseph Jones, a member of the Virginia delegation, believed Thomas Jefferson the most capable person to answer these queries for the state of Virginia and put Marbois' questionnaire on his hands. The answers were composed by Jefferson to 23 queries that make up his notes on the state of Virginia, which has been called the most important scientific and political book written by an American before 1785. Among the queries submitted by Marbois was one asking for a description of the Indians in the state, Jefferson Long had an interest in the Indian population of his native Virginia. And his response to query 11 constitutes an impressive description of Indian tribes, their number, history, and geographical location, as well as their languages. As part of his response, Jefferson described in detail his exploration of an Indian burial mound in the, quote, neighborhood of Monticello. He said that it was situated on the low grounds of the Ravana, about two miles above its principal fork and opposite to some hills, on which had been an Indian town. Jefferson and others were aware of many barrows, as he called them, in the area. This particular mound or barrow was known locally as the Indian Grave. Jefferson excavated the barrow in order to ascertain which of several views of the Indian burial customs was correct. That they were repositories of the dead had been obvious to all, but on what particular occasion constructed was matter of doubt. Some have thought they covered the bones of those who have fallen in battles fought on the spot of interment. Some ascribed them to the custom said to prevail among the Indians of collecting at. Certain periods, the bones of all their dead, wheresoever deposited at the time of death. Others have again supposed them the general sepulchres for towns conjectured to have been or on or near the grounds. And this opinion was supported by the quality of the lands in which they were found, and by a tradition said to be handed down from the Aborigine Indians that when they settled in a town, the first person who died was placed erect, and earth put around him so as to cover and support him, that when another dies, a narrow passage was dug to the first, the second reclined against him, and the cover of earth replaced, and so on. So um, I would just like to make it very clear that when I um, am saying the word Indian, that that's what they have on this uh, source or other sources, um, I mean, no disrespect. Uh, I, I, I know it's an outdated term. I, I will um, try to replace it when I remember with First Nations um, or Native American. I think First Nations is probably the more up-to-date term. So, yeah. Anyways. Jefferson wrote that the mound was, quote, of spheroidical form of about 40 feet diameter at the base and had been of about 12 feet altitude. So this is a good-sized burial mound. Like, this is a, from what I understand, a pretty standard size for these. Um, he first dug superficially in several parts of it and came to collections of human bones at different depths from six inches to three feet below the surface. These were lying in the utmost confusion, some vertical, some oblique, some horizontal, and directed to every point of the compass entangled and held together in clusters by the earth to give the idea of bones emptied promiscuously from a bag or basket and covered over the earth without any attention to the order. So first, I would like to, um, I have two points from this direct quote from what, Thomas Jefferson wrote um, is that these buried in this very big burial mound from when they dug it up in 1780 that there were no bones of giants or of a race of dwarves. It was just normal human bones and... Of normal size, because otherwise he would have mentioned that. The other um, thing that they constantly bring up in that podcast um, episode that I alluded to—that um, you know, if you search uh, Native American giants in the search bar of these podcasts um stuff you'd I'm pretty sure you'd be able to find the episode on and show I'm talking about um that, you know, they in the book um is that they allude to uh, like them being like placed in a certain alignment or facing a certain direction or whatever, but this is saying that they're, you know, this is implying that they're just using them as a, like, a mass grave site where just over the years they would come and uh, dump the bones of the deceased there. So, you know, that's debunking. Uh, I guess two of the claims made in these uh, supposed articles from the 1890s, 100 years after this. Uh, Jefferson proceeded to, quote, make a perpendicular cut through the body of the barrow that he might examine its internal structure. This passed about three feet from its center, which was open to the former surface of the earth, and was wide enough for a man to walk through and examine its sites. He observed several strata of bone, with those nearest the surface the least decayed, and conjectured that in this barrow there might have been a thousand skeletons. There is no evidence of violence to the bone, such as holes made from bullets or arrows. The latter finding argued against the view that the remains in the mounds were of warriors killed in battle, nor did Jefferson find that the bodies had been placed upright as others had speculated based on local Native American lore. So, once again, these bodies weren't arranged in any particular style. They were just kind of, for lack of a better word, thrown in there as a local mass grave spot. I mean, he even speculated that there were a thousand... um, different skeletons in there. Um, I, I would also like to argue that, um, from what I understand, there are a lot of these still around, but, um, I think their locations are like pretty well hidden, hopefully. I mean, from what I understand, there's hundreds of these on the East Coast, so um yeah don't don't go investigating these because they're um in one of the previous podcasts, like people were charged pretty um well they I think some of them got jail time, but all of them got pretty substantial fines too uh monetary fines uh so jefferson added that about 30 years ago he had observed a party of native americans visiting the barrow they went through the woods directly to it without any instructions or inquiry and having stayed about some time with expressions which were construed to be those of sorrow then they returned to the high road which they had left about a dozen miles to pay this visit and pursued their journey. Uh, uh, Jefferson did not record exactly when he made his excavation of this burial mound, and numerous dates have been suggested. One is 1780, one is 1782, one is earlier in the 1770s, one is before 1773. Um, the Monticello and Jamestown archaeologist William Kelso writes, quote, It is certain that Jefferson, at some time in his 20s, organized an archaeological expedition to that mound, directed archaeological fieldwork, analyzed what he found, and published his conclusions. And thus, this archaeologist believes that the expedition likely took place before 1773. Um, Evidence presented by Douglas Wilson, however, makes a strong case for an excavation date in the summer or early fall of 1783. As part of his investigation into the evolution of the notes, Wilson points out that Jefferson's account of the dig was a primary addition to the Uh, draft he completed in the summer or early fall of 1783 since Jefferson left Virginia for Philadelphia on October 16th of that year. Wilson argues that the dig was made between the completion of the draft and his departure for Philadelphia. Moreover, based on an analysis of Charles Thompson's comments um, made in the spring of 1784, Wilson suggests that Thompson had not seen a first hand account of the dig, as it appears in the later draft, in that Jefferson was prompted to describe his dig many months after the dig itself um by thompson's spring seventeen eighty four uh commentary so um yeah, so we're done with that um, so before I get into more uh, readings of these supposed articles, um, I would like to draw your attention to what I believe is maybe not hypocrisy, but uh, talking out of both sides of their mouth, uh, The specifically the History Channel, because um, they have an article dated... March 4th, 2019, why grave robbers won't leave Native American burial sites alone. The subheader is there's a long history of native bones being stolen by individuals and institutions. Post dated March 4th, 2019. But, um, History Channel, um, obviously, uh, doesn't really put forth history anymore with, uh, Mainstream shows like Ancient Aliens. Um, They're doing a new show on Skinwalker Ranch. Um, I've done multiple podcast episodes on one of their more um, popular shows, uh, The Curse of Oak Island. Um, Like almost four episodes, I believe, where uh, there's nothing there. I mean, for God's sakes, one of the original... I mean, they they, they can't even flip and decide what... um, who buried the supposed money pit there. Um, Was it a lost branch of Templars? Was it the pirate treasure of Captain Kidd? Was it um, put in there by three spinning orbs of light that, um, you know, were created a depression in the ground, but then suddenly that depression, like, went away, I mean, there's, like, there's, like, multiple fan theories as to what Oh, yeah, there's one where it's even the, the lost hidden jewels of Marie Antoinette and that she had given those to uh, some maid or somebody and then they went across the ocean and dug it into a pit in the middle of some random Canadian island. I mean it's just, like, none of these are history, so, I, I like to draw your attention to, um, some ancient alien episodes talking about ancient giants, so, um, you know, they'll go on to say, like, you know, there's stories of, uh, giants from around the world, you know, the Nephilim, um, you know, the, I think they talked about a race of giants, uh, in the Middle East, um, you know, they say, uh, what, Samson and Goliath, oh, yeah, so like they imply that Goliath, um, from the Bible was a giant, uh, that the Nephilim were giants, um, they say that, uh, Enkidu, um, was either Bigfoot or a giant, um, me, it's kind of hilarious because, um, I believe I have the first six seasons on DVD and I've watched most of those. Um, I mean, they, they just kind of repeat episodes after a while. So, yeah. Um, so like they have an episode from season 16 called Lost Race of Biblical Giants Uncovered. And that's, uh, Ancient Aliens. Another one is from Season 4, um, called Mythical Giants of Alien Origin. Um, another one is Ancient Aliens, Island of the Giants. Um, here's one from Season 13, Ancient Aliens and the Age of Giants. Um... I mean... Okay, so... This is separate from the book I bought on Amazon. Uh, on Fritz Zimmerman. Um, it's called Ancient Giants. History, Myth, and Scientific Evidence from Around the World. Xavier Hayes. Um, uh... Oh, this is interesting. Okay, so, about the book, investigates physical evidence, history, and myths to reveal the lost race of giants that once dominated the world, reveals uh, suppressed archaeological and scientific discoveries supporting the existence of a worldwide race of giants, um, examines giant myths and legends from ancient religious texts and literature from around the world. I mean, I I, I would just like to put on a side note that I believe a very common um, mythological trope is like, you know, imagining somebody that is stronger or um taller than an average human being, and like okay like um i i to me a perfect illusion is if you look at a uh Steli, um painting on um it's Ramses the third uh fighting um the sea peoples um, or fi- fighting against the sea peoples, it's like depicting them coming in on the boats, and then him and his troops, uh, fighting against, uh, the sea peoples using bows and arrows and chariots, and the size of King Ramses Third is meant to, um, display or address his um importance to the Egyptians like he he is twice the size of his troops so does that mean that he was a giant no um it just means that he was more important uh In a society sense than uh, his normal citizens, like he was a king, they believed that he was a physical manifestation of a god, right? So they they worshiped him. Um, so anyways, um, going on, it says includes findings from throughout Europe the Middle East, Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and the Far East. Um, from the Nephilim and Goliath in the Bible to the Titans in Greek mythology and the Fomorians, that's Irish, and Frost Giants in Celtic and Nordic lore. Um, yeah, I mean, it, even this guy, Xavier Hayes, doesn't... Um in his book description, it doesn't even mention North or South America, so like there it's a even he disagrees with uh Mr. Fritz Zimmerman, so I don't know that's just uh interesting to me um another thing is uh I thought I'd read some from that article. Um, on histories uh, FBI agents searching an Indiana Anna house in tr- 2014 were shocked to discover a hoard of 2,000 human bones likely stolen from Native American graves the bureau um, announced the discovery in February 2019 um, estimates that the bones represent nearly 500 people uh, and da, 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 da this discovery is only the latest in a long history of native remains being stolen from their burial sites by collectors and museums. So once again, this is so like they, they, they paint like this grand conspiracy that, um, the archeological society or whatever was, um, colluding to cover up all these um, stories of giants that were supposedly being dug up from these graves. But here's a perfect example of here's a guy that was motivated to try to find as many native American artifacts and skeletons and remains as possible by monetary gain personal monetary gain and there's no I'm not reading any giant bones or whatever so I mean am I missing something like shouldn't they like have a small side note off to the side like oh yeah um, sadly the FBI uh, has 10 skeletons unaccounted for because they were uh, skeletons where the there were Horns coming out of the heads of ten foot tall skeletons, and uh, it was it hinted at a race of ancient red or red haired giants. I mean, I'm I I sadly I'm not seeing that. So whatever. Um. So the theft of Nave remains uh, dates back to colonization of the Western Hemisphere. Um. European settler, settlers stole ceremonial burial objects and human remains from Native American graves and took some body parts. Uh, the, 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 yeah, uh. Many of these human remains stayed in the families that stole them or ended up in museums or other public institutions. The house the FBI raided in Indiana was home to a missionary in his 90s who treated his place like an informal museum. Um, Native American remains have been found in institutions in Germany, France, the UK, Sweden, Finland, and Spain. Um, um Uh, wealthy Caucasians funded salvage archaeology expeditions because they quote believe that Native American people would be in uh, extinct race and therefore everything needed to be collected by any means necessary Um, yeah um, yeah, sadly, this is probably still going on to this very day. Um, but anyways, I think we're going to move into um, more of a couple of these articles, supposed articles from eighteen the 1890s. So uh, let's move on to that. Okay, so we're going to read more of these Um, Alleged articles of secret um, caves of giant skeletons. New York Times, November 18th, 1895. Skeleton of Aborigines in a cave. Anderson, Indiana, November 17th. While making excavation last evening, Workmen opened a cave to the west part of the city. It proved to be the tomb of 12 aborigine. The 12 skeletons were propped in a sitting position with their faces towards the wall. The bones in the cave are a race of men larger than Indians of the present. The cave is near the famous Indian mounds. Uh, okay. Um, Bluffton, Indiana Chronicle. August 22nd, 1903, found skeletons eight feet tall. While excavating in a gravel pit at Anderson, Indiana, workmen unearthed half a dozen skeletons, most of which were eight feet tall and over. One in particular was that of a man of giant stature, and all were far above the height of tall persons. Two of the skeletons were those of women, and the graves were found pieces of pottery, Such as being unknown to the Indians, which leads to the conclusion that the bones were those of a prehistoric race. Two bodies were found close to an ancient mound. Uh, Okay. Uh, Montgomery County, Ohio, Democrat, November 24th, 1892. Burial places of giant skeletons of an ancient race unearthed in Indiana, traditions brought out by the discovery evidence of very large Americans. A rich archaeological find was recently unearthed two miles west of Crawfordsville in a gravel pit along the high bluffs of Sugar Creek. Thus far, 25 skeletons of Broading Nagian stature have been exhumed, And the unburying of these mammoth bones is still going on. This necropolis of long ago is filled with exited hunters of curios and scientific students from Wabash College almost continually. And as soon as removed from the gravel, their rattling bones are carried away to become parts of departments of archaeology. And archaeology is spelled wrong which were being established all over the city. The last skeleton taken from the burial ground, I think they mean burial mound, was a gigantic one, measuring seven feet in length. The femur alone would prove that the skeleton was that of a giant and the pelvic bones twice as large as those of an ordinary man. The grinning skull of the giant had a perfect set of teeth, not one cracked or decayed, and with an enamel as beautiful as polished marble. Okay. The bones were perfect in every detail, notwithstanding the fact that they must have interred here for centuries. The entire absence of vegetable matter in the soil, and the perfect drainage would account for the preservation of the bony structure. But the whole number of skeletons thus far found only two indicate immature development; the remainder representing the fam- framework of a race of men, evidently extinct for centuries. Uh, this is certainly the first discovery of skeletons in which the characteristic development of giants has been observed. It is thought by local scientists. Oh my God! It's like a child wrote these articles. It is thought by a local scientist that these bones belong to a tribe of aborigines, but this theory cannot be fully established by the material structure of the skeleton. Although no implements or ornaments were found buried with the bones, yet in close proximity, many instruments of warfare and domestic utensils were found, probably like a giant spoon. I just imagine that they have They found a giant spoon there in the burial mound of giants that they covered up, obviously. They are mostly composed of stone, though some are composed of copper and a few of shell and bone. The stone implements are uh, flint spears and arrowheads and appear to be wrought with exceeding great skill. Uh pottery is found in great abundance for many years specimens of these pots have been unearthed in this region especially along the banks of the creek none of these skeletons was found in a separate grave they being for the most part piled together in one conglomerate mass ten were found in one place in close contact facing the setting sun and arranged in a sitting posture many of the bones found farther down the bank and in a soil in which there was more vegetable matter, crumbled to a fine dust as soon as exposed to the atmosphere, and the symmetry of a single bone cannot be distinguished. Many traditions have been brought out since the discovery. One old settler has called to mind the fact that 50 years ago, a tree was uprooted on this same spot, exposing three skeletons of gigantic dimensions, And as they were beneath the trees, it must have sprung up long after the bodies were buried. Um. (laughs) Who knows where the bodies are buried? Oh, well, that's a reference. Um, Excavations are being continued, and it is thought that rich developments are in prospect, for as there is not a foot of the soil removed, that does not contain some relic or grinning skull. So, like, they they have some very high-quality pictures um, of the alleged burial mounds. I mean, they just look like natural uh, hills. And, uh, yeah. Um, Indiana Geological Report, 16th Annual, 1885, Pulaski County, Indiana. In Indian Creek Township, at a point opposite Pulaski Mills, in the, quote, bottom or alluvial of the Tippa Canoe, is a large mound about 100 feet in diameter at the base, and which was, before being plowed over, fully twelve feet high. Many years ago, an excavation was made in this mound by a minister, then sojourning in the neighborhood, with the result of unearthing several crumbling human skeletons. The bones were reported to have been very large and strong, but yielded to the action of the air and crumbled to dust. Um, I'm just guessing, but, like, for a skeleton, you know, like, just bones, like, you just unearth them, and they just crumble to dust, I mean, these alleged giant skeletons must be hundred thousand years old, I mean, like, I, this, that, that part makes no sense to me, and, like, as I covered earlier, um, all these articles and, you know, people that dig these mounds up are, you know, saying that these are just The bones are just, from what I understand, just thrown in there. I mean, let's apply Occam's razor to this. They were a burial mound for the local Native American population for them to throw in a communal spot, uh, the bones of the deceased. I mean, there's not some grand mystery here, it's just, um, it's just very boring, and, you know, there's probably stone tools in there, and, you know, bones that should be left where they are, because, you know, and then you get something like poltergeist. History of Randolph County, Indiana, uh, 1882. There are many antiquities in Randolph County, mounds, embankments, etc., some of which are described. Um, one of the best known is to be seen partly in the fairgrounds northwest of Winchester. It is an enclosure of 43 acres in the form of an exact square. The embankment was from 7 to 10 feet high. It was also having a mound in the center of the area, 15 feet high. The whole enclosure and the embankment also, when found by the first settlers, was covered with large forest trees, exactly like the adjacent regions. The eastern opening was unprotected. The western one was surrounded outwardly by an embankment shaped like a horseshoe, open towards the gate, joined on the north side to the grounds the of the embankment, but left open on the south side of the gate for passage to the outer grounds. The embankment has been considerably lowered throughout the greater portion of its extent by cultivation, by the passage of highways, etc., but is still several feet high and is very plain traceable along its entire extent. Some of the bank on the south side towards the southeast corner still remains as it existed at the first settlement of the country. That part is now some six feet high and perhaps 25 feet wide. A large portion of the eastern bank has lately been dug away for the purpose of brick making it is said that charcoal is found scattered through the mass of clay, composing the embankment on the side of human bones, which were said to have been hauled away by wagon loads. These skeletons were, many of them large, but bones were much decayed and crumbled readily when disturbed and brought out to the air. I mean... Who are these people who who are moving all these skeletons? I mean they just say uh departments of archaeology i mean this i you know I found some article where like six or seven of the locals conspired to and this was recent like conspired to go dig one of these burial mounds up and they had dug it up, and like, you know, they had, uh, the, I'm not sure if it was the feds or the police, I don't remember that part, but like, you know, had confiscated all these artifacts that they had dug up from the site. I mean, there's no, there's no like grand conspiracy here, it's just random jerks that decided to dig these up to sell to collectors, or people on the internet, or whatever, I mean, I was curious one day, and went on eBay, and just googled Native American Artifact, and, uh, I was quite surprised by some of the stuff that I found, that, um ninety percent sure weren't um procured legally, but that's besides the point. Um Bureau of Ethnology Fifth Annual Report, eighteen eighty three to eight eighty four, South Charleston, West Virginia. Below the center of number seven, sunk into the original earth was a vault about eight feet long, three feet wide and three feet Deep, lying extended on the back and f- bottom of this amid the rotten fragments of a bark coffin was a decayed human skeleton, which, um, that's another thing I guess I should mention is like, I don't think there's any proof or uh Evidence of pre-Columbian contact of, I mean, this is saying there was a coffin and they had stuck one of these giant, there always decayed skeletons in, um, it was seven feet long with its head facing west. No evidence of fire was seen nor were any stone implements discovered but lying in a circle just above the hips were 50 circular pieces of white perforated shell, each about one inch in diameter and an eighth of an inch thick. 12th Annual Report of the Bureau of American Ethnology of the Smithsonian Institution, 1894 Kanawha County. Mount 19, the one farthest to the east, is 60 feet in diameter and 5 feet high, is found to contain a rude vault of angular stones. Some of them, as much as two men could lift, this had been built on the natural surface and was 8 feet long, 4 wide and Three high, but contain only the decaying fragments of a large skeleton and a few fragments of pottery. Okay. 12th Annual Report of the Bureau of American Ethnology of the Smithsonian Institute, Kanawha County, West Virginia, 1894. Uh... At the depth of 14 feet a rather large human skeleton was found which was in a partially upright position with the back against a hard clay wall. All the bones were badly decayed except those of the left wrist which makes no sense which had been preserved by two heavy copper bracelets. 19 feet from the top the bottom of the debris was reached wherein the remains of a bark coffin once again there is no evidence of coffins and Native American sites. A skeleton measuring seven and a half feet in length and 19 inches across the shoulders was discovered. Each wrist was encircled by six heavy copper bracelets. I mean, like, what are these? Like some kind of grand copper conspiracy. Um, I want... I want one where it's, like, horned humans or something. Um, hmm. Okay, here's one. The Historical Magazine Antiquities. History and Biography of America, Volume 5, 1869. Extract of a letter from Benjamin Harding, Esquire, to Dr. Mitchell, dated Missouri, March 16, 1831. Respected sir, permit me to commune 41 with you on the subject of a natural American relic of antiquity. It is the skeleton of an individual of the human race, measuring nearly 10 feet in length, which I have discovered in this western county. Should you think it worthy of a place among the rarities of the land, be pleased to inform me, having read in the public prints of the last year, an offer by one of the learned societies of 400 francs for the greatest remnant of American antiquity. It is thought by many gentlemen that this would be entitled to it. Your opinion on the subject would be very desirable. Yours with high consideration, um, Benjamin Harding. This was probably addressed to the eminent physician so well known in St. Louis. May elicit further information regarding the final destination of that skeleton and add to the links in the history of a lost race so often found in Kentucky caves. I mean, that's better than other stuff found in Kentucky, in the shape of immense skeletons and skulls in which a modern skull. Can be placed with ease. The minute record. Minute record. Is preserved by the discovery. Of a gigantic. uh, Female skeleton. In a stone tomb. In the mammoth cave. Where the atmosphere. Will preserve a body. Like the Egyptian tombs. The details of this. Female's dress are also preserved. Come on. Where's the. Where's a horned humanoid? it has got to be something. Mm, uh. 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 Counties of Whitley and Noble, Indiana. Um, a member of the historical force opened a mound in Salem Church Cemetery, Washington Township, but discovered nothing save a considerable quantity of charcoal. Mr. Denny opened two mounds on the farm of Samuel Myers, Orange Township, both containing nothing but charcoal. He also opened three more near there on the farm of Otis Grannis, one of them being eight feet in height and about 80 in diameter at the base three quite well-preserved skeletons were taken from the mound, one of the skulls being almost in an tight enti- entirety and having much better frontal development than the average. Um. Oh, here we go. New York Times, May Fourth, 1912. Strange skeletons found indications the tribe hitherto unknown, once lived in Wisconsin. Um, The discovery of several skeletons of human beings while excavating a mound at Lake Delvin indicates a heretofore unknown race of men once inhabited southern Wisconsin. Information of the discovery was brought to Madison today by Maurice Morrissey of Delvin, who came here to attend a meeting of the Republican State Central Committee, Cur- Curator Charles E. Brown and the State Historical Museum will investigate the discoveries within a few days. Upon opening one large mound at uh, Lake Lawn Farm, 18 skeletons were discovered by the Feltz brothers. The heads, presumably those of men, are much larger than the heads of any race which inhabit um america today from directly over the eye sockets the head slopes straight back and the nasal bones protrude far above the cheekbones the jaw bones are long and pointed bearing a minute resemblance to the head of a monkey the teeth are in the front of the jaw are regular molars there were found in the mounds of the skeletons presumably of women which had smaller heads, but were similar in facial characteristics. Skeletons were embedded in charcoal and covered over with layers of a baked clay to shed the water from the sepulcher. Um, So I would just like to point out that like, I was reading an article today where apparently uh, the Maya, um, like 90% of the Mayan skulls that have been um, examined, uh, show f- various forms of, uh, skeletal, um, what, what do you call it? Not deformities, but, like, uh, manipulation, where, like, uh, they, they would, uh, would, like, slope the forehead, they'd, um, tie something to the nose to give it more of a hooked, uh, appearance, um, you know, they'd, like, you know, just manipulate the, uh, face, facial structure, and, uh, I, I found that interesting, um, hmm, Okay, I'm going to read one more. I think I'm going to cover this in a further video or podcast, whatever. It's one in the morning. What, What do you want from me? The American Naturalist, 1889. Clement L. Webster reports in brief on the exploration of ancient mounds at Floyd, Iowa. The mounds were three in number and were situated on the west side of Cedar River. The largest of these mounds were found at a depth of a little more than five feet from the surface, the well-preserved remains of five bodies. This mound showed several peculiarities, among which a layer of earth mixed with ashes some distance above the bodies, and a baking of the remaining earth above these ashes. One of the skeletons was that of an average-sized woman in middle life, one of an infant, one of a large-aged man. And two of young adults, uh, gender undetermined. The bones of the woman indicated a person of low grade, the evidences of unusual muscular development being strongly marked. The skull of the personage was a wonder to behold, equaling, if not rivaling, in some respects, uh, in inferiority of grade the famous Neanderthal skull. The forehead, Is very low, lower, and more animal-like than in the Neanderthal specimen. The skull is quite small for an adult individual. I mean, I... I don't know what they're trying to describe, really. I mean, like... It's a human skull. But it's not. So, I don't know what it is. Anyways, uh... I think I'll do one more podcast on this, um, I'm just trying to, you know, like, there's no, there's no evidence for any of these claims, like, these old articles don't exist, and, you know, like, that's why I went out of the way to, um, find a very historically documented unearthing of these burial mounds from 100 years before they were even claiming to dig up all of these and unsurprisingly they didn't report any giant skeletons there so i i don't know anyways uh i hope you guys have a good weekend thanks for listening i'm your host luke and uh Yeah, have a good night.